Welcome to How the Song Came to Be, where soulful songwriters share the stories behind their songs, as well as tools and creative practices you can use to bring your best songs or other creative works to life. I'm Ann Heaton, your host. So as a songwriter, I just felt like well, you can do anything you want in, in knowing rules and knowing forms and having a cohesive story or not having a cohesive story, having the whole thing be this is like dream sequence or like words can just sound beautiful like the guitar note can just sound beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know, words can be intriguing just like the beat's intriguing or words can just be gut, you know, it's like hardcore truth right in front of you. Welcome songwriters to How the Song Came to Be. I'm Ann Heaton, your host and founder of Soul Song School. I'm here with Will Daly. I'm really excited. He's an incredible singer-songwriter, mm-hmm. a fantastic guitar player, and amazing vocalist. He's three-time winner of Boston Music Awards, uh, Best Singer-Songwriter. He's also won Artist of the Year. He shared the stage and the studio with T-Bone Burnett, Eddie Vedder, Artists like Tanya Donnelly, Kay Hanley, G-Love. I'm sure I'm forgetting a few. He puts out his own records. Um, He's, I believe, currently working on a new record. And um, I'm so happy. He's had his music. (laughs) (laughs) He's had his music in over 50 um, uh, TV shows and films. And I'm just super happy that you're here. Thank you, Will. Thank you. It sounds much better when someone says that to you than when you read it yourself, you know? Uh. Right? Because like, you're always thinking, well, that's not, that's not good enough or or not, not that it's not good enough, but I don't know. It just sounds more real when someone else says it. When someone else says it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I played with Eddie Vedder. That was right. If I I think about it, I was like, nah, I probably didn't do a good job. (laughs) I probably didn't really play with Eddie Vedder. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Oh, that's so cute. Um, Cool. Well, what I know about you is you have this amazing energy and magnetism. And I feel like there's a lot of like deliberateness and thought behind Mm -hmm. um, the music you're making, the songs you're writing, and not just that, but how you're sharing them. And I would love to like, find out a little bit more about that when we talk today. But um, I'd love to start by just asking you how you got into songwriting, how you, how and why you got on this path? Um, I mean, that's a good question. Still, still trying to figure that out, but it came from trying to find an instrument that spoke to me the most as a child. And that wasn't until I got a guitar in my hand that I felt like I had um, the right vehicle. Um, I had failed at other instruments and, and then when I got the guitar, in my hands and I think because I'd failed at so many instruments there were it was expected that I would do lessons um if I wasn't gonna uh participate in other things in my youth that uh, my parents you know uh insisted on lessons and those lessons were very difficult um I had a teacher who I think he he might have been now looking back a little depressed and um but he was thorough in that he was teaching music theory to, you know, a young person, a 12-year-old at the time, a 13-year-old who wanted to learn whatever was on the radio or whatever was in a guitar magazine or whatever he grew up being told was guitar music. So I wanted to learn everything from Van Halen and Hendrix to 
you know, grunge music. And um, I remember the first thing that I ordered was a catalog of Eddie Van Halen transcriptions where you got a tape, they sent you a tape in the, or a recording because okay. they couldn't, I think, legally print the copyright. So this guy found a workaround in the back ads of Guitar Magazine where they would send you blank tablature pages and then a tape recording where they say where to put the numbers. So I wrote the tablature to Hot for Teacher within like six months of having a guitar and thought I was going to just muscle through Hot for Teacher and stuff like that. Um, but songwriting came out of getting sick of doing that. Mm. I mean, it just, you know, it's like uh, you get you, you get behind a a wheel of a car and you find out you don't like the roads mm. and songwriting was just finding your own road um and knocking down trees and messing up your car and that's the fun thing about a guitar that's so um sexy and in and, and violent and, and malleable and and there's so many things you can do to it and people are still finding weird things to do with it now yeah um so I, the, that instrument always just led me to uh, discovery. And then there's the aspect of life where you just, you, you're using that probably that all real hap- really happened to make sense of um, every, uh, everything going on. I spent most, I spent my whole life between two, two households. So I think music became my own, my own household, you know, my, my personal household. Um, so the songwriting was just my interior decoration of that house. Yeah. So was it like, well, of course I have three questions. I can, I don't okay. know which one I want to ask first, but so when, well, let me go back. When you said something at the beginning of like when you were a kid that you mm-hmm. weren't doing the other things you were, I'm not sure if you said supposed to be doing or that your parents had in mind for you. And then you gravitated towards guitar. Can you, did you mean like, sports or something or yeah like- or parents are just you know i mean i think it's a far more accepted now but i mean i grew up in like a i think when you're a boy generally your 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 things are are wrestling battlefield warfare sports manliness um in music for for boys isn't always um attributed to manly, manliness and it wasn't you know in the in the 80s and 90s yeah. Um, I think it is more so now, maybe, or from, from what I can see a little bit. Uh, but, uh, and, and also music was always looked at as an anomaly, something successful musicians did, not something yeah. that you do, you know? So yeah. it's not like, it's like a kid who play, kicks a soccer ball. If every kid who kicked a soccer ball, they said to him, all right, you're going to be Pele or not? Then what are you doing kicking a soccer ball? Or every, Right, they don't say that to everyone kicking a soccer ball. Right, but any kid who picks up an instrument and has a good performance, they say, you're going to be a star instead of, thank you for that performance, you made my day. Oh my gosh, thank you. Yes, thank you you for saying that. Yes, and why is there that strange pressure of making... Right. You know, I, I I was thinking that with my daughter the other day. She's four, and... I appreciate this. She loves singing and she makes up songs and she's, she's always just singing about like what she's doing, you know, right? But, you know, and I just sort of, I don't ignore her, but I just kind of leave her to be. But some people will say like, Oh, are you gonna, 
Are you going to be just like mom? Maybe just like mom. Yeah. Yeah. Are you going to be a star or whatever? You know, and I, and I just think it like takes her a little bit out of it, like out Mm -hmm. of, you know, it's not that it's bad, but like, then it's, it feels like a, like a little drop of, of pressure was just entering something that's not that, but so was were the guitar lessons like a way to sort of legitimize the fact that you were interested in that? Yeah, I think so. Um, I didn't, I, like, I didn't have like totally sporty parents or anything. They're actually musical and, and everything and, and art, art loving. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I think it was the failure of trumpet, violin, and piano, and all these other things. Oh yeah. And uh, and just you know, I think when someone hits adolescence, it's like you got to keep them somewhat focused on something. So, in those 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 guitar lessons, kind of sucked at the time and were clearly awesome for me later on when i realized i knew what the circle of fifths was when i was 13 and but i would never focus on those lessons i would i would learn whatever was in guitar magazine and then i would start making stuff up you know six months into learning the guitar and then i just started writing horrible horrible songs but i was finding early out that i had you know remember this one guy in my band that i my my band that i first kind of had originals with maybe junior year in high school and we had a bunch of these songs and he was the bass player and he went to his bass lesson and came back and I'd, I'd written the bass part to for the bass player for this song and he was working on it with his bass teacher and the bass te- something where he came back to me and said my teacher said this is such an awesome riff for the bass it's so cool he wished he wrote parts like this and I just remember that being six I'm like wait a grown-up said that about something I, I thought of yeah. and and this bass player was really excited for my songs. And so having that kind of early feedback where you just have like one peer excited that you're making something and be, to be playing something you created. Yeah. I've been addicted to that, to being around people who are better than me in, in my songwriting. And like, that's the one thing about being like a, a singer songwriter or like the male singer songwriters. I operate the opposite of, of, um, a solo artist they completely thrive on being surrounded by people more talented than me and get better i would i really want to highlight some of the stuff you're saying because it's like super important so like one thing i'm hearing is that in order to get into songwriting you had to have this jumping off point like you you knew how to play guitar you were taking guitar lessons so Mm -hmm. you had like a little bit of a language yeah so you had the facility to start doing that. And the next thing I heard you say is that you started writing terrible songs. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like super important because like I hear a lot of songwriters say like, I'm not good at it. And they're like, so they're waiting and they're procrastinating. And the only way you're going to get good at it is by doing it, you know, mm-hmm. and whether or not they're actually terrible, is sort of irrelevant. It's just like yeah. felt they were, and you just kept going. And then yeah. what was the third thing you said? Um, Oh, I love that, that you got good feedback from an adult or a music teacher. Yeah, and a peer, yeah. And, and you believed it. Right. Like, you know, and you, you weren't like, oh, no. Like, you believed it, and that, like, fueled you. And right. then the fourth thing I heard you say was um, being around musicians who you felt were better than you, or, like, pull you. Absolutely. Yeah. Always try to be the worst person in my band. Yeah. If you're the best person in your band, it's going to be a really boring band i mean for me like i i never end up going to see those kind of artists where it's just all them you know like 
I like I love Neil Young because when it's crazy horse, there's all these other things going on and like this all this other energy from other people and he changes as an artist with crazy horse. Mm-hmm. When he does something with this like more folk laid back outfit, he changes as an artist. And when he's by himself, it's he changes as an artist and like a different aspect of a, of him is highlighted. Yeah. Um so I just always gravitate towards those those artists that have that are surrounded by that and surrounded by you know that kind of that kind of energy those writers i love that yeah that's amazing so in terms of writing lyrics i know you mentioned being going between two households when you were writing like that cool baseline like when did you when did you really get hooked on this you know saying something that you wanted to say or or what or you know what sort of unfolded for you um personally you mean or like when was i cognizant of that it was you know like there's like i feel like there's this desire to like make music and Mm -hmm. make sound and then i feel like you know right or wrong i'm not sure i I feel like this desire to write songs and express a certain thing might be different and i just wondered Mm -hmm. what it was for you yeah they are it's funny because they are different because i i really i write a lot of instrumentals i don't really put them on records and and i'd say i have if songs were things without words on them as well, then I have three times as many songs. Mm. Um, And then words are almost a separate thing for me too. So words always existed as far as communication and finding a way to um, express and advocate for yourself with words. Um, And then, you know, the hybrid of these two art forms, which is song, I guess we call songwriting is so exciting and challenging and you know writing those terrible songs in the beginning still t- continues to to today you know i mean oh yeah you know and it's it um hopefully that I, I don't know i mean it's you start writing some good ones but it doesn't s- stop i mean i think the worst thing you can do is just keep trying to write that same good one you did the first time you know i've I can't, I can't imagine if, if I got super popular off a song that an audience I was playing for at 20 years old, yeah. if that song like blew up, I'd be miserable right now. Yeah. That's not who I am anymore. Right. You know, right. or, or if, if I had to make my living off that one song, which happens to a lot of creators or, or people, yeah. you know, and some people are really grateful for it because maybe it wasn't in them keep to keep writing or keep, Trying, I have plenty of friends who's like, I just wanted to write that one song and find a sound that just worked and keep doing that sound, you know? And mm-hmm. I just want to keep figuring out how to write songs and express, express myself with songs in different ways and, and be pluralistic, really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is horrible for marketing, but um, screw marketing, you know, just. <laughs> yeah, well, it's so. more like ho- holistic. Yeah, exactly. And I think going back to the question of, you know, when, when did it, I start expressing myself? I think I was always expressing myself before music or before I had an inch in my hand with play and imaginary play time and stuff like that. Cause I remember being able to play like in the, in the woods or the backyard by myself without anyone else or with other people and have a good time. And that kind of transfers into songwriting that the imagination process and, and playing, you know? Um, yeah. so 
I don't know. I, I, was, I was writing about personal things, silly things, typical things, rock and roll things when I was in, you know, a teenager. Um, I was all, you know, I was also so uh, influenced by music in the nineties at that age mm-hmm. that, which had a lot of confusing songwriting in it sometimes, especially from male personalities had a lot of intense, um, deep, sometimes really trippy things. You know, if you listen to Stone Temple Pilots lyrics and then Nirvana lyrics and then Pearl Jam lyrics, yeah, you know, it's like, that's a lot of different male energies that are really weird. Ones that are like very like, out there like the guy from stone Temple pilots i don't think i ever knew what a single song was about right but i always loved the words in it and it's always so you know wild and fun and yeah and free and totally free so that the song could be rock and roll or fun or like i could think about a line or i you know and the same with cobain to to degree it had a little bit more some a little more of an anchor of course and a little bit more of a almost like a complete take of some sort of dream and or experience. Um, and then uh, like Vetter who had like just really different fun language with um, more like stark takes on life and stuff like that. Once you got into it, it made, had a little bit more uh, approachability, but um, yeah. that when you're a young man and that's what you're hearing men on the radio. Yeah it totally influences um plus all the classic rock you raised up on which had a lot of sexuality in it yeah you have all those things right and then i had all then you have all the folk storytellers james taylor neil young and all the way like up into hollow notes in the 80s which was like or you too which you know my parents my parents still loved you too at the time and stuff like yeah. that so um that's so like, interesting how do you feel like you found your you're, I mean, I'm so fascinated by the idea of like in that, you know, imaginary play and, mm. and whether you draw on that now. And then I'm, you know, I'm also fascinated by like, these are the first people that you're hearing and you're like paying attention. I'm imagining that you're paying attention to them as a songwriter, not just as a fan. Like you're starting to think about how would I. Well, also, and as a vocalist too, because up to that point, like a male vocalist was you know, as a child, it was like Robert Plant, Axl Rose, like otherworldly type of male voices. Uh-huh. Um, and then in the 90s, just male voices who had to sing kind of thing. I just have to sing. Like if you're Kurt Cobain, it's like, it's like a, he just has to do it. Right. If you're Eddie Vedder, like it was totally like you, I heard Eddie Vedder for the first time. I'm like, oh, wait, you can sound like that as a man? You know, those who first... You know, I hadn't heard punk rock enough either by then. You know, it had been like classic rock and Freddie Mercury's. And you're like, all right, well, you have to be this godlike thing. Right. Um, so all those things like open you up to possibilities. And I think, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know what it was like. I mean, I don't know what it's like, but I imagine if you grew up in the 60s, 70s, 80s, you have your local radio station, which might have been more geographically centered to country music or like the hits didn't have as there weren't as many hits to be played or songs or genres being played on different stations. Right. Stores didn't allow certain records, but by the 90s, everything, you know, parental advisory, we had hip hop, we had everything. 
we had all this pluralism at our fingertips. And um, so as a songwriter, I just felt like you can do anything you want in in knowing rules and knowing forms and and having a cohesive story or not having a cohesive story, having the whole thing be this is like dream sequence or like words can just sound beautiful. Like the guitar note can just sound beautiful. Mm -hmm. You know, words can be intriguing, just like the beats intriguing or words can just be gut. You know, it's like, hardcore truth right in front of you you know music can be fun it can be poppy it can be rock and i like i i love operating from that thing and i never quite i never i've never in my career as a songwriter found an a genre or niche or anything or belonged anywhere which has definitely hurt a songwriter's career i think um you know times will get too rocking for the folk crowd too folk for the rock crowd too indie for for the pop crowd too pop for the indie crowd or whatever it is you end up kind of just carving out your own fan base based upon uh, getting in front of them or, or striking a chord one song at a time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's almost just, it's like the jungle I grew up in was all that influence. Yeah. From the, great, the greats that came to, you know, the, just the genre madness that we've had from the nineties until now. And now more than ever, where you just have every song at your fingertips and, algorithms will send you songs on streaming services that right. Right. figured out something about you and those algorithms will be like oh my god this algorithm really knows me <laughs> and like just blew my mind and how come no one told me about this artist and this song from 1972 or from 1988 or yeah. from, you know what i mean and there's all these songs and all this new music now it's uh amazing and it's daunting but and it's um can be in the business of songwriting kind of uh, leave you maybe feeling a little hopeless, but at the same time, it's just so exciting. So if I, if I'm thinking of, you know, I know some, so some of the songwriters who are listening, you know, and thinking about like how, I'm not sure what the word is lucky. I mean, how great it is that we have access to all these music and how Mm. awesome it is that there aren't rules. And you're talking about navigating I think finding your voice, knowing that you can do whatever you want. Um, and, but thinking about it, maybe like chunking it down to one song at a time, like what are, you know, what are the, some of the, I mean, cause I know for me, like if I have too many options, sometimes I'm like, okay, I don't know. I'll just, <laughs> I'll come back later. You know, whereas if I have like, you know, some sort of like structure, of, I think this is going to be like, kind of like a Tom Waitsy ish. Right type of melody like so but i'm wondering for you like when you sit down to write one song or you're working on what are some of the ways that you kind of get at either this imaginary play space or it's fun for you or how you're getting it the way you want it um i mean i'm at this point with songwriting now where i remember i remember this song i made this tape in high school and uh had this song on it and it was totally ridiculous and uh but it just caught on with kids and this you know i made 500 tapes and they were gone in a week and there's just like you know what felt like oh my god i have like a hit song amongst peers and some people and you know some kids brought it to college and yada yada and i'm like i'll never be able to write another song that good again <laughs> You know, that was it. This is it. How am I ever going to, oh my God, everyone reacted to this jam. 
I'm, I'm totally screwed. I don't know how, I don't know how that happened. I don't know how I did it. I didn't know it was going to be that big of a deal. <laughs> so on and so forth. And I've had that feeling up until, you know, over and over and over again. Oh, yeah, uh, like you always have that feeling. Right. Right. And, yeah. uh, I think, I think it's about, it's a craft and it's a way of being. And it's like, I always say song, you have to learn every rule of songwriting and then forget every rule of songwriting. Um, not use any of them, <laughs> but know every single one. If you don't want to get stuck. I mean, I, there's plenty of people who like found this like, songwriting road and they some people songwriters only know four chords you know or only know how to play in this one tuning like a drop d tuning and that's it that's all they know and they just play with one finger like this and you know a minor chord and a major chord and it's and it works for them it's cool but if you want to be constantly open to just to the um craft of writing it helps to learn all the rules, which is mean is listen to a lot of music, talk to a lot of songwriters, figure out things you can do. And so, yeah. So what are some of those rules and what are some of the, I don't know. I forgot them all, but I definitely learned them. You mean like there's a verse and a chorus? Yeah. yeah so, sometimes there's no chorus, you know, or right. something. There's a verse, there's a pre, there's a chorus, there's a verse, there's a pre, there's a chorus, there's a bridge, there's a pre, there's a chorus. And let's say that's one rule, you know, and then so when you do uh, verse, verse, chorus, bridge, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, done, you know what, what that offset is creating when you're choosing what this, when you're designing this song, when it's coming out of you, when it's pouring out of you, you know, what, you know, what you want to do there is uh, be aware of the rule that you're breaking because it might be creating a hook. It might be creating a special pattern. It, everything is pattern and pattern upset. A joke is funny because there was a pattern that got upset. So the pattern's coming at us and then the pattern's upset and that's why we laugh. Um, that's what we call a twist in a movie or, or any, any good movie, whether it be in any genre, when the pattern is familiar, the feeling in the film is familiar and then it, and then it just twists a little bit. The same is true for songwriting and music. So in learning all the patterns and all the techniques along the pattern, you make really, uh, and then and when, when you have it, you're like, well, I wanted this song to feel more frantic. Well, if you take out the two, the two beats in the fourth bar every time, the last two beats, you're really going to create that, keep everyone awake, you know, and the people might not know why they stayed woke throughout that song. You know, I was producing, I was, advising a songwriter the other day and they had a there's a pop song with a stanza with a some callback vocals in it and uh i, I sound like i was being a pain in the ass i'm like you really need to change these callback vocals because every line you sing the backup singers echo the last two words so by the end of the verse my brain's like drifting because i know what's happening so i'm just waiting for that awesome chorus again but if we we're losing an opportunity here to upset the pattern. So on the fourth callback, let's switch, or the third, switch it up so the, the ear wakes up again. Even if the ear doesn't know it's waking up, they're going to think it's a hook. They're going to sing along to the alt alt altercation in the pattern. I love it. Um, so 
those are rules and those are, you know, you learn the rules to break them all, I guess, I guess is the this short is way like, of saying it. This is so, such gold. And I'm, I'm so glad you're saying it cause it's super concrete. And, um, I love that you're likening it to a movie twist and calling it a pattern and upsetting the pattern. I always call it like fulfilling the listener's expectations and then surprising them. But yeah. it's the same thing where it's like, I know when I'm listening to a song, I'm like, if I can always, like sometimes being able to predict what is about to happen, which I'm sure happens to you all the time, you know what mm-hmm. note's coming next or you know the chord that's coming next. Sometimes that's satisfying, but if you can do it too many times in a row, you, you just start to lose interest. Whereas like a couple times, you know what's going to happen. And then suddenly you're like, Oh, I didn't know that. Like, that's so right. and, um, and I love that you gave examples of how you could do that, like changing up the background vocal. Um, and there's production yeah. ways to do. It. I mean, and sometimes the song shouldn't have any surprises. Mm. It should be this meditation and maybe the production can provide the surprises, but you want to be, making those choices as the artist and the writer um, consciously or the emotion is making the choice so definitively you don't even need to use your conscious decisions and know the rules you're breaking, but to, to be in a place where you're not uh, chasing down this knowledge is just going to leave you as a frustrated creator. Um, and, and yeah, I love it. I, I, I love, I, I could just geek out about this all day long, but I love, I love the, what you just added too, because it's like the intentionality. Like mm. I've had songs where I didn't want to break the chord pattern. Cause I wanted it to be like this mesmerizing thing. Like that was the point. It was to kind right. of go internal, like almost like a chant. Um, but you, all, you also got me thinking back to like when I was first writing songs and I wasn't thinking about the rules because even though, I must have supposedly known them, but I just, I just, I didn't know what I was doing. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I was a classical piano player and then I was writing songs and it's funny because there's something so pure about that. Like, and looking back, you're like, Oh, that's, that's amazing that you did that. You actually were sort of following a form, but sort of breaking it, but it's really creative. Right. Mm-hmm. And now I feel like I sometimes like I almost know too much, you know, like mm-hmm. I know what all my options are at any moment. I'm like, well, I could have like a double bridge or a pull out the bridge or, you know, and, and right, I always right. want to like marry the two, like marry that person who's in there. Who's like, you know, who's real, who doesn't even know the rules and it's just like, it's pouring. And then use some of these craft things and talking about breaking up the pattern and stuff. That's, mm-hmm that's yeah. really an effective way to just communicate and, and, and to make the parts that are the same more effective. So. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, and I think, uh, I mean, for me, like I just did, um, uh, I, like I am in the studio or kind of mixing right now, but, uh, like before, between my last two records, I recorded like five songs because I wanted to just, you know, I don't, you know, after like a heavy night of drinking, so you do a cleanse or something like that or, or vice versa. You just did a cleanse. So you got to do a heavy night of drinking, but I just did these songs that were super out there, like two psychedelic rock songs that I only put on a seven inch and only gave to a certain amount of fans. And then, um, and then a couple other tunes that I just want to kind of cleanse my palate with, try different, just do things that I thought were like completely obtuse or, um, or, irreverent and um 
wouldn't make a record, but might kind of haunt me when I was making a record. Um, but if you hadn't done them, if I hadn't got it out of my system mm-hmm. and not like, not like a trashy way either. Like they're totally psychedelic tunes. And you know, one person said like they make total, they make a lot more sense. Like I could never like put them, put them out and have someone be like, let me go check out this guy, Will Daly. And then hear this song and be like, Whoa, what is this guy about? But you know, someone said they make a ton of sense in the, greater picture because you said something whereas you said intent and i mean intent is intent is everything because we could make up songs all day right it doesn't mean they're gonna be good i think the intent behind songwriting is the most important part um in that you know i think the the thing that dogged me in my songwriting is my career as a songwriter is like that not really having a genre not sticking to folk or not sticking to something and not having something you know i wasn't a brand new sound. I was just trying to use all these sounds at my fingertips, all this energy, whether it be energy of a rock band, energy of a folk band, energy of, uh, you know, ragtime, whatever, whatever it is mm-hmm. and, and using all that energy to express myself. Um, and, and along the way, I just made sure that each time I was doing that, I had intention behind each piece of music. Um, so that, if the greater fan base or the you know the greater ear for who might like the songs you or the yours that really connected on an emotional level, that one that was a little that was really outside the box, I always had in mind the person who was going to freak out about it mm. and totally oh. connect to it. Yeah. Um, and sometimes that person was me on the other end, but more often it's like someone else, either someone I know, someone imaginary, and just really having an intention to like re- reaching them with this piece of music. Mm. And so that when that happens, ideally someone should hate it too. Like yeah. I did this one song, I was super like, we did this like really heavy pop, popier and rock and record as more like an experiment. And it was really a democratic process in my band. And there's this one song that was just totally bananas. And I'm so psyched that I did it in my life. It's not something I've, I've ever played in my set or anything, but it's just artistically and self-expression wise is, blast to do and i knew who it was for what it was about and uh <laughs> this one guy this one friend musician composer he heard it he's like this is my favorite song uh, favorite song you ever did and my tour manager who likes you know who's been with me through so much is like i fucking hate that song <laughs> like she you know yeah we were in the we were in the bus together in the in yeah. the van together and um she couldn't say enough bad things about it, you know? Yeah. And he, and that was this other guy's favorite thing that I did. And I was like, yeah, mission accomplished. No, it's great. I you mean, know? I think it's such a great uh, tool and I just want to repeat it because it's so good, which is just like, you're imagining either a specific person or an imaginary person or like a, another version of you while you're writing the song that you want to mm-hmm. reach that person. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I've, told, I, I've, I've done that too. Like sometimes I've done it consciously, sometimes unconsciously. Just like if I know that I'm reaching this, per, like I don't know if it just becomes more clear that way. And um, yeah, I have this song, Megan and Kevin, which is like everyone's favorite song. And one of my best friends, Sean, he hates that song. He never, he can never shut oh. up about how much he hates it. And I'm like, well, you know, not everybody's going to like it. It's okay. And and I think when you have someone really, the worst thing anyone can say about your music is like, that's, that's nice. That's good. Like that's the kiss of death, you know? 
Yeah, um, no one ever hates it, right? It didn't, yeah, yeah, it's right. like, you want it to be like, wow, like that's totally interesting. I love it. I hate it. It's things right. like that. Right. You know, you want, you want reaction. Yeah, and have that fearlessness when you're writing too. Like you're not trying to please everyone. You're just trying to yeah. write it for that person or, yeah. Totally. Cool. Awesome. Well, um, will you play us a song? Sure. So I would love, I, I, I want to invite you to play a song that, you, you know, has an interesting story of how it came to be that you could kind of tell us how you wrote it. Um, well, I mean, I mean, you know, like you write songs in five minutes or five years, right? Oh my gosh. Tell me about it. Right. When you, when you, wrote, when you write one in five years, you're like, oh, that was so worth it. And like totally just, you know, did a sit my own Sistine Chapel here or something. And then, then the five minute one, you're like, well, what the hell? How come I didn't do this with all of these? Or, but you can, the five ones, you can't call on either one of them. Um, so well, I don't I know. Like exactly. So many of the songwriters I talk to are like, oh, I've written all these songs, but they're not finished, you know? And they're, they're frustrated as if this moment is the end. And yeah. this moment is not the end. Like if one of them still feels alive to you, you yeah. know? Like you said, it could take five years. And you really got to just put, it's just, it's just work at the end of the day. It's just pushing it. It's just work. It's just, it's just maybe going into each creative aspect. Like if you're, I'm going to the studio and want to have X amount of songs. Well, then you should try to do like, we, we entered the studio with 15. We entered the studio with 22 while we were in the studio, cut seven off, you know, ended up tracking 15 and we're cutting five from the record. And we're trying to finish all other fives and just be like, all right, what's standing up and matching and what's going to make a good, thing? you know, and some songs, a good example is Sweet Child of Mine. Like the producer's like, this song needs another part. And so they came up with this whole slash solo and this whole thing. But Axl Rose was on the microphone saying, where do we go? Where do we go now? Meaning like, where do we go on the song? Like, what am I going to do? So that whole ending of Sweet Child, where do we go? came from him joking around like, all right, where do we go now? And the producer being like, yeah, keep doing that. And we, think, I mean, also go find, go find the Led Zeppelin rehearsal, de rehearsal demos of Robert Plant mumbling Stairway to Heaven and just coming up with gibberish. And if you don't have a million songs with gibberish, you're not trying, like, because we have to marry all these. The fun thing about a great song is like, the music on its own has some sort of, compelling hook the cadence of the vocal and the delivery of the vocal has a hook and the words have a hook and the melody has a hook so you have the, all these aspects coming in and that just takes like sometimes we're off when all four don't hit that's all right it's, the song can be enjoyable with two two of them hitting or one of them hitting but um you know the great ones are like when all four hit yeah you know um, what was I talking about? That's awesome. <laughs> well, you, you told that cool story about Sweet Child of Mine, but then I think you were going to tell us a story yeah. of how one. Oh, yeah, I was just saying about like, getting things done and just work. I think well, so. It's work at the end of the day. What do you do if you're like, oh, I know these three songs are have the potential to be awesome and they're on the record, but we're recording in the week? We just wake up in the morning. Well, what I really want to know is what would you say to someone? who maybe doesn't do this for a living, right? But wants to carve out that time. What would you be your advice to them? What's, here's the best. Uh, on Monday, I'd say I need, I need to hear this song finished by Friday. 
I mean, a deadline can help everyone out. You know, that's one thing. Um, sometimes booking some time somewhere or, or saying you're going to go to that open mic or say you're going to book that show and you're going to play a new song and then telling a friend, come to the open mic with me, I'm going to play a new song. Mm-hmm. will help you get the new song done. Right. And then inviting that friend will set that intention. Like, you know, that friend's going to hear it. So maybe it helps carve the song out energy wise. Nice. Um, but it is just a little bit of work each day. And if, and if you can find 15 minutes a day to work on one song, it'll get there. You know, it'll get there. Um, I mean, I, I worked on, I, I'm, we're mixing it right now. I'm tweaking a couple of lines today, you know. Um, but, yeah. It's awesome. It's, I also have no idea. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I know. You I know? know? Be ineffable. It's okay. Um, can you hear the guitar? Yeah, it could be a tad louder. Let's see. Is that my phone or your phone? No, it's mine. Oh my god, I hate when that happens at concerts. <laughs> I don't know that's what happened. I thought I shut that off. That's hilarious. <laughs> How's that? Sing a little something over it. What? Sing a little over it. Oh. Do 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 do. Hey hey hey. That's still a little quiet if you want to move the mic a little closer to it because your vocal is plenty loud. Okay. All right. This song is called It Already Would Have Not Worked Out By Now. What's the story? Oh, you got to listen to it. Oh, no, but I mean, what's the story of how you wrote it? Oh, um... Like, is probably, it a five minute or five year? No, I, uh... A couple months before we went in to record the record, I I came up with a lot of the parts and vibe and direction and then was... And then had a lot of the... Wor- had half the words in the melody. And sometimes when you get into the melody... When you get, you can really screw yourself when you fall in love with the melody before the words are done, you know, and then you got a lot of work to do, which is fun. Mm-hmm. It's really fun. And that's a really tough thing to do when like you're so married to some of these sounds or cadences or melody and, and you know what the words have to be and you got to fit it all together and have it not suck. Um, so I'd say maybe like half of this had to be thought out and was just pages and pages of lyrics cut you know words worked on so you know a lot a lot of focus on the lyrics but you know as far as like how long or how much labor not even you know in the in the in the healthy realm okay yeah Remember us in jet streams, high on conversation, strangers in the sky. 
met on a delay Suddenly a red eye Racing through the night Told you about my love Who's ready like a harbor As soon as I arrive Yes, it all gets real When the year goes down And it already would have not worked out by now. I over Minnesota, cast upon my shoulder, smile to oblige. In a sudden drop of pressure, I would have put your mask on before I put on mine. So why was I wishing, wishing that the tailwind was not on our side? Yes, I know it all gets real one down in it already would if not works out by now. Still in a time I feel mistreated I wonder what it'd be like if we stayed up in the sky High, high, so high Some thoughts fly standby, waiting in an alternate life. Where we take that walk and we buy the house and we get the job and the pay, the crowns and the taxes break. And I drink too much and the bills pile up in the years out and it already would have not worked out by now yes it already would have not worked out by now well it already would have not worked out by now That's so beautiful. Oh, thanks. What a great, what a great song. I haven't played it that much either. Like, so the weird part too, when you're like recording a record and you're like, I don't really know how to play this song, yeah. <laughs> you know, because you've just been making it in the studio. That's just beautiful. I love that tune. And great example of changing up the pattern with the taxes part. That was awesome. I got yeah. Smile on that. So. Yeah, there's even like on the recording, it's a little bit more apparent. Not, but like uh, when the verses happen, like we just really anticipate the one every time a lyric starts. So it really comes on the end of three. And it's really subtle, but it just kind of like moves things. I really got focused on not wasting people's time on this record because I feel like time is this mm. thing we're really getting precious about. And then the way we listen to music has gotten a little bit um, faster, mm -hmm. you know, 
Man, I really, be, I really think it'd be killer the person who masters the one-minute song. You know, that'd be such a cool thing to do. But um, just like tried to turn, to, you know, keep keep the page turning without, you know, being a prog band on these songs as much as I can. Um, yeah, well, there again, it's like you are you're having the intentionality and the respect for your listeners, and you're thinking about them. Yeah, and just thinking about like sure. what. Why is that two beats there if nothing, if it's not doing anything for the song? Or why is, you know, those kind of things are just like totally, it's almost like a meditation on that with a lot of this record. And um, yeah. So important. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. For hanging out. I feel like you've already said like 10 amazing little things, but if you could say one thing to, to songwriters out there, like a piece of advice that they can kind of carry with them. Um, uh, I mean, in general, like going, kind of going back to that soccer ball analogy or uh, anything with songwriting, songwriting and music, it's a way of being, it's a huge part of being human. It's not a business. Business is the thing we've manufactured around it. And what, how we refer to it, especially as Americans, is, is, is in that, those terms. Uh, and that really robs us of a huge part of our humanity. So remember when you're writing songs, you're really engaging in being human and in this universal communication technique that we have with music. Mm. And don't let anybody take that away from you when you're creating. Beautiful. Perfect. That is amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, that was fantastic. Okay. Uh, We're closing out. Uh, Bye songwriters. Thanks so much for listening. See you next time. Thanks so much for joining us. If you know someone who would enjoy or benefit from this podcast, please share it with them. Thanks so much. Much love.